Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Epic Fantasy Romance. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Ah, oh, delicious. Today is Monday, January 16th, 2023. Martin Luther King Day here in the United States. And a snowy January morning here in Santa Fe. Uh, it's very picturesque. It's the perfect kind of snow where it's, um, yeah, everything is frosted. I think I hear a kitten. Hold on. I love these kinds of winter mornings. If it's going to be winter and cold and gray, then I, I love the snow. So I ended up having a, a beautifully cozy weekend, too. It was um, nicely relaxing. On uh, Saturday, I got a fair amount of work done, uh, businessy things, just some stuff, you know, like those business things that slide down my list. So I got quite a few of those handled. I'm I'm busy catching up print editions, uh, like the Sorcerer's Moons books. I have to get the print editions of those up. It's a long story for why this has taken so long. Uh, and and it's funny because there's like these little um, incremental tasks that take up far much more psychological room than they take to actually do. And one of them is assigning the ISBNs. And yes, I do my own ISBNs because it's important to me that it shows it is published by me and not published by Amazon. Maybe it'll never make a difference, but... Uh, as a legality thing for my self-published stuff, I want my own ISBNs on there. So the thing is, is I can use the same ISBN for Ingram and for Amazon, but Barnes and Noble wants its own. And I've talked about this before and it annoys me because you should only need to have one ISBN per format. So, you know, you need an ISBN for ebook, one for print, one for audiobook, but Barnes and Noble doesn't need their own unique print ISBN. So I have not been having my books on Barnes and Noble, my print books, and I'm resolved that I'm going to. It's a market that I should be exploiting. Also, Ingram is frustrating to set books up on, and so I haven't been, and I need to. Because as it's been pointed out to me recently, like I see people take pictures, for instance, at the Ripped Bodice in Los Angeles. I need to tell them I'm going to be in town. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and it's great that they stock my self-published titles. I really appreciate that they stock my self-published titles. I wonder why my dragonfly has turned around this morning. Doesn't want to be there, does it? There, maybe I fixed it. It's funny how like sometimes it just turns so it's facing the other way and I haven't changed anything. If you're not on video, it's the um, dragonfly that's on the clapper for my wind chime here. Anyway, ISBNs and Ingram. Um, yeah, so if I want stores like The Ripped Bodice to continue to stock my books, they get them through Ingram. So I just... Like certain things slide. So one thing I did on uh, the weekend, on Saturday, was 
I don't know why I'm talking that way, the weekend, was I went through and got print ISBNs for all of the Sorcerer Spoons books. So for all six books, I assigned two print ISBNs, gathered up the ebook ISBNs. So that's done. And that way, when I go in to set up the print copies, that's like one step in the process that's already complete. Uh, I also made a list of all of my books that do have print versions. That was something else that I needed to do and created my spreadsheet so I can see which ones need to be caught up. So then next steps after I upload the Sorcerer's Moons books, I'm going to see which ones still need to be added to Ingram. I'm going to do those and then I'm going to add everything to Barnes and Noble. So, you know, it's like piddly tasks, but it just takes time. And, and dread, right? The dread and procrastination. So anyway, I got a lot of stuff like that done on Saturday, along with laundry. And then yesterday I was going to work on this tweak of bandits. And I really appreciate everybody writing in and saying, um, fuck the genre thing <laughs> and just write what you're going to write. And I think I'm going to, I was going to do the tweaking yesterday. It was this really pretty snowy morning as previously mentioned, we had the fire in the fireplace. David went and got us lattes and cinnamon rolls from the place up the road. And I was just, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to have to work. I need to do this. And David's like, maybe you need to take a day to rest your brain. And so we, um, yeah, we hung out and we watched Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which I want to talk about. Um, the TLDR, TLDL, <laughs> is that I love it. I love this series, you all. Love it. Did I mention I love it? It is, it's amazing. And I, I'm all, how come nobody told me to watch it before this? Uh, you know who told me to watch it is my friend Megan, who is not a Trekkie. And so I'm wondering, where the hell were all of you telling me, uh, not telling me to watch the show? Uh, and when I mentioned it to, for example, Jim Sorensen, he said, oh, yeah, I'm really liking it. It's great. You know, and it's like, it's been out since last summer. What? So why isn't everyone talking about Star Trek Strange New Worlds? So I'll come back to that in a moment because David and I finished an episode that we had been watching Saturday night. I went out with my old day job boss, which was interesting. He was in town for a conference, Chiho Shem. He was my big boss. He was my boss's boss back when I worked for the environmental consulting firm. So we walked over to Rio Chama and had a couple glasses of wine and some nachos and chatted. And it was fun. Uh, when I got laid off from the company because our division got downsized and it was his division, uh, he went to a different company uh, and so did a lot of other people. I was one of the few who like completed the exodus. I did not try to find another environmental consulting job because I wanted to see if I could write full time. If I could make a living writing full time, you know, so uh, Chiho was really funny when we were messaging about setting up the dinner date. He was all, um, he says, I'm so excited. I get to have dinner with a famous author. 
which is just funny because, you know, like back when he was my big boss, we would have conversations <laughs> about, you know, like me moving my hours around and, you know, like doing this stuff. Uh, I was really grateful that I was able to leave, that I felt like I did a good enough job that like my big boss still wants to meet up with me and have dinner. Um, it's hard when you're balancing two things. And so I always felt like maybe I wasn't doing a good enough job at my day job. <coughs> so, so yeah, it was fun to chat with him, but that he also told me that he had gotten laid off from the new company in December because he wasn't billable enough. And for those of you who have ever worked in a business like consulting, uh, it's like being a lawyer, uh, except you're not paid as well. Uh, and you have to be what they call billable, which means all of your time needs to be time that you can charge directly to a client. And it's a really rough way to, to work um, because that's not how human beings work. You don't have your work day where every single hour is directly billable, right? There's other things that you are doing during your day. And I think, you know, the idea is, is that what you're supposed to do is like have your eight to 10 billable hours. And this company literally told us that the business model was predicated on us working 44 to 45 hours a week, billing 44 to 45 hours a week, uh, because it was like how we could price on contracts. Never mind that this wasn't legal. And it was always this wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We can't tell you to work 44 to 45 hours a week, but you have to. <laughs> um, and then, and that had to be directly billable hours. So, you know, if you were doing things like, you know, thinking up new work or, you know, having a conversation with your colleagues, that stuff wasn't directly billable. So anyway, Chiho was not billable enough and so got laid off. And it was just funny talking about, you know, how difficult that kind of model is with him. Because, of course, when he was my big boss, <clears throat> he was in charge of enforcing that. So that was interesting. It was fun to have the conversation with him. I got to see the lights down on the Santa Fe Plaza. It was beautiful. And, uh, yeah, and then... Sunday afternoon, I went over to Megan and Charlie's and we played ONS, which we played on New Year's Eve and we are addicted to. Uh, we had an ONS tournament uh, for the entire afternoon and it was wonderful. It's, I'm surprised how relaxing playing cards is. And we, um, you know, the snow was falling outside and we had wine and I took over ingredients to make this red beef dip that my mom uh, originated the recipe or wherever she got it. Uh, and that was a big hit, you know, so it was, um, it was really just a wonderful day. It was perfect. And then came home and watched a couple more episodes of Star Trek, Strange New Worlds. So let's talk about Strange New Worlds. What it is, is they, it's the story of, uh, it's the Enterprise. It's the original Enterprise without any letter designations after. It's, it's just a Trekkie's dream. It's Captain Christopher Pike and a lot of the characters that then went on to serve with Captain Kirk. So Uhura is there, Spock is there. Um, they have 
rehabilitated the character of Nurse Chapel, who is an awesome character. It's it's a really great cast and it's really well written and it captures everything that was great about the original series. Uh, there are very similar storylines in some ways. They're kind of wrestling with things like the Prime Directive, which the original series, you know, rather famously tended to blow off. <laughs> it was like, you know, the Prime Directive, in case you are not a Trekkie and do not know, is that they couldn't interfere with other civilizations. And then they would regularly interfere. And so it was this funny thing. This story takes place 10 years before the original series begins. So we know a lot of things about the fate of Captain Christopher Pike and they're meeting that head on. Uh, they are also limited by the ensuing canon, right? This is not a reboot. This is a prequel. And as creators, for you writers out there, you know how hard it is to write a prequel, right? This is a masterclass in how to write a prequel because what they're doing is they are taking everything that occurred in the original series as canon and they are tweaking it ever so slightly. Here and there, they're changing things like the change of Nurse Chapel. Um, she would probably not be exactly recognizable in the ensuing series in the same way that Uhura is not, right? Um, they took, you know, in the original series, Uhura was basically a um, glorified switchboard operator. And then later they turned that more into communications and lin linguistics gave her something, actually something to do. And so now we're getting a little bit more of the origin story of Uhura. And so Nurse Chapel, they're sort of just busting out some of those boundaries. But otherwise, they are riffing within the boundaries of canon in brilliant and exciting and wonderful ways. And it's um, it reminds me of like someone trying to write contemporary poetry within a sonnet format. It's, um, it's a terrific creative exercise. I'm so impressed with what the writers and showrunners are doing with this show. Uh, there's 10 episodes so far. There will be 10 uh, in 2023, hopefully anytime now. I, I, I don't understand why everyone's not talking about this show. There is an episode called Spock Amok that sets up the basis for the very famous episode in the original series, which was Amok Tan. Uh, all of the basis is there. They're tweaking around some things like um, because Spock and T'Pring are engaged and they are, uh, and they have a sexual relationship because it's like, well, in the original series, they acted like what Spock never got to have sex at all, except during Amok time. And then he didn't get to, uh, you know, so they're working within those boundaries in a really cool way, but they did this um, opening sequence that, recapitulates the duel between Kirk and Spock in Amok time. 
in this gorgeous way. And I'm going to spoiler it ever so slightly. I mean, if this isn't actually a spoiler, unless you want to know nothing about it. But what they did this time was they made it be a dream and Spock is battling himself. It's his Vulcan self battling his human self in the duel. But they recapitulate the actual duel to the point of like having the, I don't remember what the Vulcan name for the weapon is, but the curved axe um, slicing open the shirt, you know, and leaving the you know, bleeding scratch like that Kirk gets. They use the same music that was in Amok time. And everything they're doing is setting up perfectly. Here's 10 years before. And then later when we get to Amok time and what T'Pring does, we can see it all coming. And so it's just, it's really well done. And it's got that um, cast camaraderie that we loved from the first show. There's some of the humor and then really cool, interesting plot lines. And yeah, it's, it's fabulous. It's absolutely fabulous. So um, that's been my great discovery. I have been both wanting to watch it consumingly and uh, space it out. So let's see. I was just going to see how many episodes I've been through here. Um, well, I've been, I've gotten through six. So I will post a link to it in the show notes. Everybody go watch this show so that we can have a lot more of it. Uh, and talk about, geez, let's talk about this show. Tell me your thoughts. Uh, I do have my friend Jim Sorensen that we are going back and forth and riffing on it. And so that's really fun. So um, bandits today, wish me luck. And um, yeah, I'll talk to you all tomorrow. You all take care. Bye-bye.